In a constantly changing world, which is simultaneously afflicted by a global pandemic and geopolitical uncertainties, supply chain resiliency becomes indispensable. The urgency for a diversified supplier base and increased automation is further underscored by exponentially shifting consumer demands. How can a one-stop shop, integrated business network help alleviate these challenges while also digitizing procurement workflows and connecting all your trading partners and suppliers in a flexible and scalable manner? Which is why today I'm joined by Tony Harris, the Senior Vice President and Head of Marketing and Solutions at SEB Business Network. With over 25 years of experience across both finance and IT, Tony has spent the last 15 years focused on the procurement solution sector and is currently Head of Market Strategy for SAP Business Network. In this role, he leads solution management and marketing teams that form a bridge between SAP Solutions and its customers. The team captures market trends, customer challenges and insights from the field teams to create an outside-in view of the market that helps to drive innovation within SAP Business Network. As always, my name is Akshi Mola and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Tony. Thank you so much for being here with us today at SAP Experts Podcast. Thanks, Akshi. Great to be here. Now, Tony, today's episode is all about procurement best practices and next practices. But before we jump right into procurement, I would like for our audience to know you better. So why don't you tell us about your career journey and how you made the switch from the so-called the cool and fun and exciting CRM world to the procurement world? Now, some people may say procurement is just not as exciting and cool. What do you have to say to that? <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly disagree. Well, you know, I started my career as an accountant and after spending four years qualifying, I soon discovered that accounting wasn't really my calling. You know, I'd worked in practice, in audits for a couple of years, and then I'd had a couple of roles as an accountant within some private sector companies. But honestly, I found the routine that's quite boring. You know, month end, quarter end, year end, ugh, you know, and um, it was whilst I was working for one of these companies, I had the opportunity to buy and implement an ERP solution for that company. And so that became a, a project of mine for a year. And once we'd finished, I realized that actually working in and around software solutions was what I really enjoyed. So I then joined an ERP company and, and was first involved in consulting, but then discovered pre-sales and subsequently sales, where I found that my finance background um, exposed me to you know, so many aspects of business and so many types of business that I was really able to connect with customers and talk to them in their language about their issues. And then in the late 90s, as you say, I joined a CRM software company as I could see this new wave of solutions come in that looks really promising. And honestly, it was a great period in, in my career. The company I worked for was amazing. I was earning really good money. And it felt like I was helping to transform um, the businesses that we were selling to. But then it all became a bit too routine again. And uh, you know, this might sound crazy, but selling CRM software was so easy, at least through the early 2000s. Sales and marketing VPs were, were so easy to excite over this new technology that were, you know, they were really chomping at the bit to get their hands on. And suddenly the challenge and thrill seemed to disappear. So I started to look for the next new and exciting software space to get into. And that's when I discovered 
procurement software or more specifically um, at that stage, it was e-sourcing and you know, e-RFP software. And I'd, I'd never seen or heard of this software before and I found it really cool, honestly. And as I started to read about some of the, uh, the customer stories of how they'd saved millions of pounds or euros of dollars a year through its usage, I decided I wanted to work with this new software. So I joined this Boston-based startup called Frictionless Commerce as their first hire outside of the US. And one of the founders was sent out to the UK where I live. And um, he and I, plus a local team we hired, basically built the European business into a, a thriving business where, ironically, we were competing head-on against Ariba uh, in those days, plus a bunch of other companies, uh, most of which don't exist today. And I, I loved it. You know, I love selling to these companies and helping them to use the software to save millions and the appreciation they would show us um, for what we were doing for their business. And, you know, the savings customers could make in the early days reverse auctions, which is crazy. I, in fact, I'd set myself personal targets as to how much or how quickly um, post-sale I could get a customer to save. And I also love the challenge when someone would tell me, um, you couldn't make any savings in a given spend category with this type of software. You know, there was this, I remember this buyer in a large investment bank who told me we wouldn't be able to make any savings on, on legal services using reverse auctions because it was all about the relationships um, with the board, you know, that the board had with these right. big legal firms. And, and anyway, I helped them run a 40 million pound legal services auction, which lasted one hour. And at the end of that hour, we'd save them 10 million pounds. So um, needless to say, there was a pretty amazing party that night. And then I remember another, another, another company, you know, it was a media company uh, that wasn't sure if this software would really work for them. So I agreed to run a one-off event for them on a, on a hardware category that they were spending about three million pounds a year on. And again, after a 30-minute reverse auction, we saved them just under 400,000 pounds, which they immediately used to fund the purchase of our software that very same day. So I don't know whether that's classed as a, a zero day return on investment or maybe it's even a negative return on investment. You know, either way, it was so exciting to be involved in this software segment where every customer was delighted. And then in 2006, SAP acquired that company and I've been at SAP since then working in various roles uh, around our procurement solutions and now, of course, the business network. Tony, when you were going through your journey, I couldn't help but notice how your journey also in a way reflected how the procurement trends have changed over the years. You know, at one point, like I said, some might have viewed procurement as a not so strategic department, uh, not so cool, that maybe only impacted the bottom line. Of course, we like savings. And yeah, even if it does impact the bottom line, that's amazing too. But now, Tony, what we're increasingly seeing is how procurement has found its space on the strategic table, not just the only bottom line cost-cutting department. So what do you have to say to that? Yeah, you know, the, the cost savings aspects of procurement has always been there. And I think it's always going to be there. And, it, and it's gone through waves. Like, like I said, in the early days of utilizing um, reverse auctions and, and ERFP capabilities, the savings could be amazing, right? But there comes a point where you've squeezed as much margin out of a supplier or even a market as, as you can, whilst still enabling that business um, to be healthy and deliver the kind of quality of goods and service you expect. And so I think procurement 
initially started to create its path towards the seat at the table because of those savings it was driving. But I think it also used some of those savings to invest further in its own people and to better understand um, internal processes and how it could make improvements uh, to these processes across the company. And I guess in many ways, procurement started to morph into a, an internal business consulting division that could actually you know, impact the bottom line, but also help the company think about ways to improve the top line. You know, it became a strategic advisor to the business. And so after delivering cost savings, we then really saw procurement delivering value more broadly across the business, right? Engaging with other stakeholders in the business to help them in their particular area, whether that be through um, finding new supplier, supplier discovery, or supplier consolidation, um, pricing negotiations, contract negotiations. Ultimately, they were helping their internal stakeholders to do better business. Now, in more recent times, perhaps since you know, the last three to four years, we see procurement focusing on the customers of their business mm-hmm. and caring about what the customer or, you know, depending on the industry, the consumer thinks. So, for example, buying from ethical suppliers, buying from more sustainable sources, uh, ensuring transparency in their supply chain. So they're now more conscious of how their customers view the policies and the practices of their business rather than you know, just being about getting the best price for the item. So in effect, for me, procurement are now having to balance cost with conscience in order to remain attractive to their customers. And this, for me, is why procurement has really now found its strategic place at the table because now it's as much about the customer mm-hmm. and the top-line revenue as it is about the bottom line and, and the cost savings. Absolutely, absolutely. And coming from a procurement background myself, you know, whenever I think about all these strategic initiatives and the collaboration between buyers and suppliers, the clue that holds this whole structure together is the network, the SAP business network. However, there are way too many networks that I hear about nowadays. There is a logistics network and there is an asset management network. So First and foremost, Tony, how many networks are there? Why do we need so many distinct functionalities? Enlighten us. Well, well, firstly, actually, I'd like to start by saying we have one network, and that is the SAP Business Network. Now, businesses have to manage a whole bunch of different processes. And for that reason, our SAP Business Network is evolving to support different processes, right? Um, Now, right now, we've been focused on the procurement and supply chain process. And so we have SAP Business Network for procurements, for supply chain, for logistics, and for asset management. And in fact, that represents the way we're now branding our our business network. And then we also have SAP Business Network for trading partners, which is really focused on the, the sales persona of any company that wants to join you know, what is the world's largest B2B collaboration network so that they can market themselves uh, and be more easily discovered by our SAP customers. And they can provide, you know, company information once that is then consumed by all of those customers. And in future, we'll expand into other critical process areas beyond um, procurement and supply chain. But again, to clarify, we really have one network. It's the SAP Business Network. 
You heard it right here on the SAP Experts podcast. There is one and only one-stop shop, which is called the SAP Business Network. Tony, now speaking of that one-stop shop, I have to ask, uh, what is the importance of having this one-stop shop for suppliers and buyers to collaborate in? You know, the fact that through the networks, the buyer's inbox becomes the supplier's outbox and vice versa. Now, Tony, I have to confess, this was my favorite line while demoing the network, how the inbox of one becomes the outbox of the other and vice versa. You don't have to go to 20 different places. Right. And also, you know, you had that thing of flipping a purchase order. All of that was one click away. These things sound simple, but save so much time. So what is the importance, really, of having this one-stop shop? I mean, look, SAP's roots are, of course, in ERP software. Uh, And when SAP created this software sector 50 years ago, um, as of last week, they, they redefined the way in which businesses manage their internal processes. And a whole new world of you know, business process re-engineering came about as a result of SAP. But business extends beyond the four walls of your own organization, and now more so than any time before. You know, we see companies completely dependent on their extended supply chains. So many processes have been outsourced that for some companies, and, and some companies responsible for some of the most amazing products on the planet, you know, all they're directly responsible for now is the design and sales of their products. They don't manufacture or distribute anything. All of that is outsourced. But you don't even have to be talking about that level of decentralization. Okay, All businesses today have dependencies on a variety of trading partners. And so for your business to be successful in such an environment, you need visibility and transparency of everything that's happening outside the walls of your organization in that supply chain. Now, if we start to break this down into individual processes, you can start to understand how important it is that you have this visibility. So to kind of your point, let's take the the good old humble purchase order as an example, right? Now, what happens once your, your ERP system or your procurement system produces a purchase order to go buy 100,000 bolts that are a critical component in the assembly of your finished products. How do you send that purchase order to the supplier? Believe it or not, today, there are still far too many companies that either post the purchase order mm-hmm. via you know, postal mail, or they send that purchase order as an email attachment, or, and, and this is still really a, a popular one, they call the supplier on the phone and they quote the PO details over the phone. Or they send the PO electronically via some expensive and custom EDI connection, okay, electronic data interchange connection. Now, Mm -hmm. I'll admit the EDI option is better than the others um, that I've just mentioned, but it's still far from being the optimum solution, and it's got many issues in itself. So let's put EDI to, to one side for the time being. So once you've sent that purchase order, how through one of those antiquated methods, how do you know that the supplier is acting upon it? How do you know they've received it? All right? mm-hmm. How do you know when you'll get the goods or even that the supplier has the quantity that you need? Um, what happens if the day after you sent that purchase order, things have changed on, on, you know, on your side of the business and you no longer need 100,000 bolts, but now you need 150,000 bolts, right? You've got a production line waiting for these items, and yet you don't even know if the supplier 
has received the purchase order. That's where the business network comes into play. Okay, so irrespective of which system creates that purchase order, be it your, your ERP system, um, typically in the case of, of direct materials or your procurement system like an SAP Ariba solution for largely indirect goods orders, that the PO is instantly sent to the supplier. We have business logic on the network doing some checks. Um, first, to ensure, for example, that this isn't a duplicate purchase order being sent. But at the end of the day, that the supplier receives the PO instantly, either through accessing it in our portal, I guess how, how you described as kind of the supplier's inbox. Yes. Um, they either access it in our, in our portal, they log into the portal and see it there, or it goes directly into their, their own ERP system, thanks to the integration that we offer. So my purchase order becomes your sales order directly in, in your ERP system. Now, um, now they can provide a, a, an instant order confirmation, right? So they can say, yep, I've received your order. Thanks very much. We can fulfill that. Now you know they've received it. Um, they've confirmed that they can provide the goods as requested. There's no more wondering if the goods will turn up. No more phone calls chasing the supplier for, uh, for, for confirmation that they've received that. So honestly, companies that are still managing their, their order and invoice collaboration without a business network, they might as well be using carrier pigeons um, because that's about the level of effectiveness that they, they must be achieving. So much wasted opportunity. And this, this kind of PO and, and invoice scenario, this is the simplest of scenarios. Right? Now, now, now imagine... For example, that you need to share your your um, forecasted order quantities for the next four months from your ERP system, right? right? You want your suppliers to all confirm that they can meet your needs. Mm -hmm. And perhaps where one of them cannot meet your needs, you need a solution that can instantly recommend an alternative supplier. Or perhaps you're ordering components from two separate suppliers, but you need those components shipped to your outsourced contract manufacturer who's going to perform the assembly uh, of those components and then ship the assembled goods to your primary warehouse via a third-party logistics company. You know, how do you manage complex transactional collab collaboration scenarios like that? And again, this is where the SAP business network comes into play. Right? It manages the transactional collaboration between these systems and these trading partners providing everyone involved in that supply chain with instant insights into the current status. And really, for me, this is you know, SAP once again redefining business processes, although this time around it's taking care of the processes that extend outside the four walls of the organization as opposed to just those within the organization. Right, Tony. And speaking of redefining the processes, we spoke about the humble, not so humble purchase order. And now I want to switch to equally humble invoices. Tony, I have a confession to make that when I started my career in pre-sales as an early talent for procurement, I used to think touchless invoices meant electronic invoices because, you know, it's better than posting it. It's better than sending it via carrier pigeon. But then I soon realized that it was so much more than just an electronic invoice. So why don't you tell our audience what's so different between a touchless invoice and a merely electronic invoice? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, touchless invoice is another 
example of one of those processes that the SAP Business Network can address. And it's it's really something that every company should be striving for, quite frankly. The, the idea of, of the touchless invoice is that when a supplier submits an invoice, it's able to pass through you know, the system, whatever system that might be, in an automated way without anyone, any person, any human having to get involved um, to the point where it's approved and, and ready for payment. So clearly, the, the faster an invoice can get approved, the faster it's available for payment, meaning that your company can take advantage of early payment discounts the supplier might offer. Or even if they're not offering them, you approach the supplier with the, the, the concepts of an early payment discount. Um, let alone just being able to pay the, the supplier, especially small companies, within the payment terms agreed. Um, so they've got the cash and the, and the working capital to keep their business going. So within the SAP business network, when a, when a supplier submits an invoice... Um, typically electronically, but it doesn't have to be. Um, we perform you know, a number of checks on, on that invoice, for example, ensuring that the date is within um, acceptable limits. You know, they're not trying to uh, send us an invoice that's two years old, um, that it's not a duplicate invoice. So we're checking for things like invoice numbers, uh, in ensuring that the prices on the invoice are within acceptable tolerances of the prices that were on the purchase order. Um, and you know you can build you can build rules in there to say we're we're prepared to accept a two percent or three percent price variance, and again just allow that to flow straight through uh, in a in a touchless capacity. And there are there are many other checks we've got you know well over a hundred business rules on, on on the business network. Now the idea here is that if any issues are found, we bounce the invoice back to the supplier before the customer even sees it. But then assuming it passes those checks whether it's bounced back and been corrected, once it passes those checks, it reaches the, the, the customer who might want to manually approve it. But more typically, based upon you know, their own business rules that they configure on the network, it can be auto-approved and ready for payment. Now, when you think about this from the um, supplier's perspective, not only is the invoice ready for payment very quickly, the supplier can see the progress of the invoice through its different statuses at, at all times okay so there's no need for them to be calling the accounts payable department at the customer asking for a, for an update on the payment status which is often you know what accounts receivable departments i.e at the supplier side spend a lot of their time doing they're chasing chasing payment status so um that's all automated that's all self-service it's basically a win-win for both uh trading partners on on um each side of the equation there so you heard it. Touchless means touchless. No human intervention necessary. Right. So while you were explaining uh, touchless invoices, you said a magic phrase, early payment discount capture. <laughs> now, I can understand that as a result of the pandemic, many suppliers were getting paid much later than usual. And that impacts their liquidity. So tell us about the latest acquisition of Tolia. How can that help our customers access money locked in their supply chain so that they can free up cash for other investments. Yeah, I mean, look, to my, my previous point, cash flow is the lifeblood of business, especially small businesses. And the, the pandemic hit payment cycles hard, right? As companies were holding on to their cash longer, given the uncertainty of their own business, meaning lots of smaller companies suffered. And um, just recently, I think about uh, six, five or six weeks ago now, 
SAP completed the purchase of the majority stake in Talia, who are the leader in working capital management solutions. So Talia offer a range of solutions primarily around um, discount management, also known as early payment discounts, um, supply chain finance, where the buyer can choose to finance their payables uh, via a lender, and supplier financing or, or receivables financing, where the supplier can choose to sell their receivables as, a, as an asset. So now with Talia, we're able to offer both buyers and suppliers options based upon their current liquidity needs. Um, for example, if you're a small company and you need cash quickly, you can sell your receivables and have cash in a bank the, the, the next day. Now, that could drive the, the purchase of new equipment to grow your business, or it might simply be to make the, the wage bill that month. Either way, you're no longer at the mercy of a buyer that's choosing to delay paying you for their own benefit. And the SAP Business Network Starter Pack, I hear, has also been added to Rise with SAP while we're speaking of all the new things that are happening. So what is the added value for customers with the Starter Pack? What's the benefit of this modular approach that our customers can look forward to? Yes, correct. Actually, so since last year, every customer that buys the, the Rise with SAP solution gets the ability to deploy the SAP Business Network Startup Pack, meaning they get access to some of the capabilities we, we've just been talking about and, and a whole lot more, quite frankly. Um, they can utilize SAP Business Network for procurement, supply chain, and logistics processes. And, and the idea behind the Startup Pack is that it provides customers the opportunity to realize genuine business value very quickly. Uh, to see how you know the business network can work for their business, addressing their particular needs, and then they can upgrade their subscription to a, a broader offering, perhaps covering more processes or a wider part of their business. Now, since Rise is all about business transformation, it's it's the perfect opportunity for customers to transform their procurement, supply chain, and logistics processes as part of their new ERP deployment. You know, move away from those outdated methods of transactional collaboration I talked about just now and gain total visibility into your supply chain and all of your trading partners. And the other beauty of this is that it's fast and easy to implement, right? You don't have to wait for your entire ERP platform to be live. For example, you could just start with, again, as we, we just discussed, purchase order and invoice collaboration um, to be able to pay invoices earlier, you know, have that whole touchless invoice processing um, aspect addressed and, and tap into early payment discounts, which in turn, of course, could even fund your ERP projects, right? If you're generating enough savings and early payment discounts, you could fund the whole um, rise of SAP projects. So honestly, it's a no-brainer for Rise customers to take advantage of this startup act. So Tony, throughout our discussion today, we covered how SAP solutions help our customers' top line, their bottom line, and even the sustainability, the green line. And on top of that, the strategic aspects of their business. But all in all, at SAP, our mission is to help the world run better and improve people's lives. And with the current situation in Ukraine, we are all trying to do our bit to help with the situation. So how is the SAP Business Network being utilized to provide support? We've been very busy doing several things to assist with this humanitarian crisis. Firstly, we made the Ukrainian government aware of our SAP Ariba discovery solution so that they could post details of their needs and um, 
you know, to any of the, the millions of suppliers that are on the business network, they could they could respond to those postings. We also made a, a proactive outreach to a number of key humanitarian organizations, also making them aware of the platform so they could they could use it. And then we made it easier for those suppliers on the network to signal their willingness to help with this crisis specifically. So we provided uh, an ability for any supplier to basically tick a box on their profile to indicate that they wanted to help. And so in the what we call the matching process, um, we prioritize those solution, those suppliers ahead of, uh, of others when we're matching the, the, the demand with the supply. And uh, we've had an excellent response from both our supplier community and from the government uh, using the solution to make many postings for critical needs. And then finally, we stood up an instance just recently of our core procurement platform, uh, the SAP Ariba procurement platform for the Ukrainian Ministry of Health. And, you know, they're already making their first uh, purchases through the platform for items such as um, field first aid kits, blankets, tents, all of the kind of things required to help the, the citizens of Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, you know, we've been doing lots to help. And that is so heartwarming to hear how we make a real difference in the world. And on that note, uh, Tony, diversified supply chain is indeed indispensable in today's world, which is full of uncertainty. I mean, there's war, there's COVID. I don't mean to sound so down, but that's just the truth of the situation of the world that we live in. So how does SAP procurement or how do our solutions help customers develop supply chain resiliency? It's interesting, isn't it? So for as long as I can remember, companies were focused on supply-based consolidation. So increasing spend with fewer suppliers on the basis of creating um, better volume discounts. And then the world was turned upside down from, from COVID. And, and now it's about having more supplies to choose from uh, so that you can build better resiliency into your supply base. So <laughs> we've gone from sourcing events based upon you know, a sole source outcome to source events that split the business across four suppliers. And that's what business needs right now. Now, thankfully, SAP can help our customers and their trading partners with this. So with the SAP business network, we have millions of companies ready to do business. So um, firstly, being able to search the network to discover potential new suppliers is very valuable to our customers. You can easily post details of what you need and get rapid responses from suppliers on their ability to, to, to address your needs. You can view the profiles of suppliers and quickly determine whether they meet your criteria on topics like sustainability and, and, and human rights. And through our supplier management sourcing solutions, you can then further assess and qualify suppliers by specific spend categories and regions, and then run multi-round sourcing strategies to determine the best outcome for your business, such as split awards based upon supplies in perhaps different geographies to limit any impacts from um, geopolitical issues, from natural disasters, transportation route optimization, tariffs, or you know just proximity to your own manufacturing and, and distribution centers. And then our supplier risk solution helps you keep track of things like financial ratings and a, and a whole variety of risk indicators against your supply base and perform uh, continuous risk assessments for strategic suppliers. And then when it comes to planning and the actual buy-in, our network supports multi-tier capabilities such as material traceability from raw material to finished goods, forecast collaboration, and contracts manufacturing. So you get visibility into the capacity of your suppliers and their ability to meet your needs. 
And this flows you know, from and to the ERP suite where solutions like um, SAP, IBP, Integrated Business Planning, is used to make outcome-based planning decisions on, on all of this data. Then we've got our logistics solutions that enable you to manage freight ordering and shipment tracking so you can get real-time data on you know, where in the world your container is and where, whether anything is impacting its journey and its, its ETA, its expected time of arrival. Again, enabling you to take mitigated action if required. And then for asset operators, you know, we've got our asset intelligence solution enabling you to plan for uh, ongoing or ad hoc maintenance, for example, of your production plant equipment, easily sharing um, equipment configuration and servicing details between the original equipment manufacturer and the service providers. So you can keep your production facility running at, at full capacity. So there's just a few examples of how SAP solutions working together with the business network can help customers build more resilient supply chains. Tony, with all of these new technologies that you mentioned, whether it was risk, whether it was asset management, whether it was the real-time following of the assets, uh, I know at the core of it, or I can imagine, are some intelligent technologies. However, in today's world, intelligent technologies can sometimes be, they can sometimes sound like a fad that AI, ML, IoT, ooh, blockchain. <laughs> and sometimes it can be like, what does that even mean? And how realistically can they help me in my business? How can you make it relatable? So right. how can we leverage intelligent technologies to ensure procurement excellence in actual real-life scenarios? We tend to work in a, an industry that loves to create these new acronyms that can be really confusing as to what they mean and how they can relate to um, real-world use cases. So let me use some simple examples. So AI and ML often use uh, interchangeably because they tend to work together in solving problems. And uh, one example is with our supplier risk solution where we utilize AI and ML technologies in, in sifting through billions of, of records on a daily basis to look for um, risk signals about the suppliers in the supply base. Now, an article on an online news site might be discussing a, a lawsuit that's been raised against a company that's a supplier of yours. And so we... We use these combined technologies to effectively you know, read um, the article in an in a electronic sense. And then we use the AI to determine whether this is actually a lawsuit or is it something else that the article is discussing. And so we tag the article accordingly. This is a lawsuit. Uh, and then to determine that this is actually about the um, I don't know, Acme supply company who you currently do business with, as opposed to some other Acme supply company that's nothing to do with your supply base. So in, in this case, the machine learning technology constantly builds a picture of associations between you know, the right Acme supply company and these different types of events, lawsuits, contract expansions, um, you know, missed earnings reports, et cetera, that are being reported online. Now, with IoT or Internet Things, uh, the example I'd use is with um, shipment tracking. So you know, you've got an ocean liner sailing across the Pacific full of shipping containers, um, one of which is yours, en route from the supplier you bought goods from um, in, in India to the, to the port in the UK. And on your container on that ship is a transponder device, which is sending a signal every 15 minutes to a receiver, which then translates that signal into data that is fed 
via the business network to our global track and trace solution, which then gives you a visual representation of where your container is and what the uh, the likely estimated time of arrival will be at the dock. So, um, you know, that's AI, ML, and uh, IoT all helping to make procurement awesome, quite frankly. Indeed, all the intelligent technologies working together to make procurement awesome. And while we're talking of making procurement awesome, you already spoke about the SAP Business Network, the one and only SAP Business Network audience. If there's one thing you remember, do remember that. So you mentioned that it'll continue to evolve. So how will it continue to evolve to help businesses drive success in today's networked and connected economy? Give us a sneak peek. I've already covered a, a lot. What I'd like to just add there is that the, the SAP Business Network is helping thousands of companies today in their digital transformation. And, and in doing so, they're, they're achieving some amazing value outcomes through increased savings, process efficiency gains, you know, better visibility um, and supply chain resiliency. And we're just going to continue to expand upon those, uh, those value outcomes by addressing more and more process areas. And in the future, and I can't state exactly when just yet, but in the future, we'll be looking to expand, you know, beyond the process areas and perhaps the lines of business mm -hmm. uh, that we, we address today into, into other areas. I mean, ultimately, as I said um, earlier, I think this is about us network enabling the whole of ERP to help ERP move from beyond being a, a great solution that addresses all of those internal processes to a solution that really now helps connect um, intercompany processes and, and shrink the world, quite frankly, bring you know, all of those trading partners around your supply chains across the world much, much closer. Um, so you know, I would say that if, uh, if you feel that your business would benefit from these value outcomes, please, please visit sap.com forward slash business network. Um, where you can find out a whole lot more um, about the kind of solutions that, uh, that we've discussed on, on this podcast today. And I will be dropping that in the show notes. And Tony, as we get closer to the end of the podcast, is there anything that we haven't covered today that you would love to share with the audience? Uh, you know, I think we've covered lots, uh, actually, actually. So um, no, I mean, as I say, if you feel that your company can, can benefit from those value outcomes, please go check out the, uh, the link I just mentioned or connects with your, your SAP account executive or connects with me, you know, on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for Tony Harris SAP uh, and you'll find me on LinkedIn and I'll be more than happy to address any questions anybody has via, via that uh, mechanism. With that, thank you so much for joining us today at the SAP Experts Podcast and educating us, enlightening us on how SAP helps make procurement awesome. Thank you. Thanks, actually. It's been great talking with you.